Hi, and welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about saints. I'm Andrea. And I'm Lena. Thanks for being here. Hey guys, Andrea here with another quick bite for y'all. This week I was so blessed to have an amazing conversation with Meg Hunter-Kilmer. Meg is an author, speaker, maybe a modern day prophet, but most of all, she is a lover of Jesus and the saints. Um, I happened to catch Meg in between one of her many trips, and we were quickly able to jump on a call and record this episode for y'all. We catch up and discuss some amazing almost saints and chat about the beauty of scripture and her new book, which is dropping soon. I just felt so blessed to get to meet and talk with Meg for so many reasons, First, we ended up talking about Latino saints, which I felt like was a little nudge from God and his way of providing and filling in the gaps after we had those technical difficulties with our last episode for Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, but also, she just has such an infectious love for Jesus. I I, don't, I kind of found myself walking away from our conversation hungry to just kind of, I don't know, share sharing the light and love that she has so clearly experienced. Uh, just in a short conversation after talking to her, I felt like I was motivated, I guess is the word, to get, love Jesus a little more, as cheesy as that sounds, you know, and what more could you ask for in a conversation with a new friend? If that, I mean, that's it. Uh, anyway, here's Meg and I. Um, grab your snack and get cozy. You're going to love this one. Okay, well, thank you so much for being so cool and just jumping on so quickly. Yeah, the timing was great. I usually don't have like time to myself or Wi-Fi, and so when you when I got your message, I was like, "We have to do this right now or never." Like, this I love it. I love that. Work. Thank you so much. Well, yeah. Um, how long has your podcast been going? Uh, we're coming up on one year. <laughs> Oh, wow. Great job. Yeah. So we're just two moms who love the saints. Okay. And similar to you, I think, just wanted more people to know about these amazing people that hardly ever get spoken about, but people should know their stories, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're just two moms who are trying to figure it out as we go. If you go back and listen to our original episodes, they're really bad. <laughs> But I think we're finally got the hang of it now, if I do say so myself. Yeah. So um, this is our coffee. We call it our coffee chat segment or quick bite. I call it both. But for branding, we probably need to pick pick one, right? Um, probably. Yeah, where we just talk to lovers of the saints and ask them kind of about – a lot of the times we start by asking people what your favorite snack is because that's how we start our normal shows. Mm. So do you have one? Okay. Am I putting you on the spot too much? Okay. My, okay, my favorite like weird one that gets people – to raise an eyebrow at me, I love green olives and cream cheese. Wow. Okay. I'm yeah. raising the eyebrow. Aldi, Aldi agrees with me because Aldi came out with a dip that was the dirty martini dip and it's green olives, cream cheese, and blue cheese. And it was fantastic. And I felt totally vindicated because I was like, see, this is a normal combination of flavors. Okay. I've never heard of this. How did you discover that? I, I don't know. I, I remember being in college and eating it at the dining hall and people looking at me weird. So clearly it was something that predated college. Just always. You've we always. didn't have a lot of food in my house growing up. So maybe <laughs> it was just like, these are two things that I can currently eat. Uh, and I was like, oh, I like these. Together. I like it. I mean, I don't like yeah. olives in general. Like I'm not an olive person. Oh. But I know that they are like, there's something, the salt and the fat probably, right? Because I like mm -hmm. to do uh, french fries and ice cream. So it's probably okay. like the same, like salty with a 
the cream element. I'm trying yeah, to meet you exactly. halfway. They, they play off <laughs> yeah. each other real well. Yeah. Um, so tell me about yourself. Like, tell our listeners, like, you mentioned college. You mentioned your home life. Tell us, like, what was life like before you became this amazing authority on the lives of the saints in scripture, <laughs> which is what you um, are to me. Well, I've always been a know-it-all, so <laughs> I just wasn't wasn't interested in the saints for a long time. I grew up outside D.C., was raised Catholic. I was an atheist by the time I was 11. I had a dramatic conversion at 13 because I don't do things halfway. Love that. Um, and then studied theology, taught middle school and high school religion for five years. Mm-hmm. And 10 years ago, I felt like God was calling me to follow him in a more literal way. So uh-huh. I quit my job, packed everything I owned into the trunk of my car and started driving. And for the last 10 years, I've been on the road going around telling people how much God loves them. I love that. Where did you study theology? Notre Dame. Nice. Okay. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen that on your profile. So you don't know that I've been like, in my head, we're already friends. We're good. We're yeah, good. I'll come hang out sometime. Oh my, okay. Well, where are you in the world right now? Right now, I am in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania at a priest's retirement home. I love that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I why, love would I, why would I not be? Right? Yeah. Like, oh my last gosh. Last night, I had dinner with a, a man who's a priest and his sister who's a religious sister and she's staying here right now because he's been sick um and he's been a priest for 62 years and she's been a sister for 65 years oh my god and they had one other brother who uh, was also a priest who passed away and i was just like dang i want to talk to their mom yeah. right i know can i interview their mom she's in heaven i will dead. yeah in heaven <laughs> i will i'll ask her right exactly That's so cool so usually on our show also, we always like to ask who your favorite saint is. And I had a feeling that you might have a lot. So I mean, is there one that sticks out or do I need to throw a name at you? I, I, I mean, I have like my best saint friends and it kind of depends on like what I feel like the spirit is asking me to talk about in a given moment. Um, but yeah, if you got a name you want to throw at me, like, well, so I that. had not heard about venerable Alphonse Gallegos. Oh, Gallegos. Gallegos. Yes. Um, so <laughs> I had not heard about him until I saw him on your profile. Um, and I know that you kind of were following in his footsteps for a while, right? Kind of tracing where he lived and worked. Yeah, he's, he's fascinating. You know, it's interesting because there are some saints that I feel like are just my dearest friends. And there are mm-hmm. other saints that I feel like I'm their cheerleader and it's not necessarily the same thing. You right. know? So for him, I'm like, Oh, like I am team Gallegos, but we don't like hang out, you know? Yeah. And that's I love okay. that. No, I love um, that. So I, he is, he was a 20th century Mexican American Bishop. Mm-hmm. He's actually the only open cause for canonization that we have of a Latin American born in the continental U S which yes. is sort of appalling. Yeah. Uh, that, that, it's, that he's the only one. We've got a, a number of Puerto Ricans. We've got one Cuban immigrant, but he's the only, like, US, continental U.S.-born Latin American guy. Um, and he was born in Albuquerque, and he grew up in L.A., and he went to L.A. City Public Schools and was oh in, gosh. like, the special ed program because of his visual impairment. And so there's mm-hmm. just, like, a lot of a lot of levels there of representation and a lot of people who like maybe don't see themselves yeah. in the lives of the saints, maybe don't see themselves as being respected and valued in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for like public school families and for people who are in special ed and Mm -hmm. for Latin Americans in the U S you know, like all these different levels to be like, Oh, this guy, like, yeah, this is my guy. And he is just a, I mean, a lovely kid, like sweet growing up. He had 
Um, he had to have a couple of surgeries on his eyes because mm-hmm. he, I mean, his vision was so bad that he couldn't see how many fingers you were holding up if you held them up 10 inches in front of his face. Wow. Like, bad, bad. Yeah. And so I was driving around south the Southwest and I like went and saw the church where he was baptized and mm-hmm. like took a selfie outside the house where he was born oh, and Uh, And then went to LA and like found the church where he grew up and the house where he grew up. And he ended up becoming an Augustinian priest. And there was a lot of struggle there because, Mm -hmm. because of his disability. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people were like, well, you know, he's not, he's not going to be an adequate priest because of his difficulty seeing and and particularly his difficulty reading. He had some, some educational gaps Mm -hmm. because he had had so much trouble reading and eventually he was able to read, but he couldn't read at the same pace as everybody else, but wasn't Uh like really big text. And so they had to give him a dispensation from praying the liturgy of the hours, which is wild because that's like the The, thing that you commit to as a priest. Um, And so he got a dispensation to pray the rosary instead. And eventually they were like, okay, no, we're going to, we're going to ordain this guy. Uh You know, he spent some years um, working with the religious and working in their formation, but eventually he gets sent back Mm -hmm. to the parish where he grew up and it's in Watts in LA, which is like across the street from Compton, right? Mm. So to give you, like to frame it mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, it was a neighborhood that had really struggled during uh, um, the civil rights era. There had been a lot of rioting there. There was a lot of division mm-hmm. between the majority black population and the Hispanic American population yeah. that was living in that neighborhood. And then obviously like issues with, um, with people coming from outside and with police and whatnot. And he he just showed up, you know, so he's a little worried because he's like, this is like my, my parents' friends. Like, yeah. are they going to let me be their priest or is it going to be like, oh, there's little Al who, yeah. you know, used to get in trouble. Um, and he, man, he showed up and he just revolutionized the place. He oh. would just walk the streets yeah. and he was friends with all of the gang members and all of the low riders. And mm-hmm. he would, he would like get to know the kids and he'd see them talking with gang members and he'd just walk up and be like, Hey, I'm supposed to have dinner at your house tonight. You got to walk me there. I don't know how to get there. Uh-huh. And he'd, then they'd like walk him to his, to their house. And their mom would be like, what's father doing here? Uh-huh. And he'd be like, Oh, I just thought it would be a good night to come to dinner. You know, like he's uh-huh. just inserting himself into the lives of these families yeah. to try and help the kids and like try and get them to stay in school. And he was like so proud of the number that he had going on to college and oh. just the relationships that he built with these yeah. people. They would like if they got arrested, they wouldn't call their mom and dad. They would call Father Al. Oh my gosh. Like that's that's the kind of friendship this was. Mm-hmm. And man. They just adored him. Eventually, he gets made bishop in Sacramento. Uh-huh. And he's like this. You know, when people talk about him, usually they want to summarize all of the things that he did. And so they're like, yeah. oh, like he was protesting nuclear warheads and he was living in migrant camps and he started a oh. Spanish language radio station mm-hmm. and he, you know, all of this stuff. And it just, he sounds like a dude who is just like into a lot of issues. But yeah. then, you know, I was in California and I was meeting the people who knew him. Oh my and gosh. I was like, that's this so man cool. didn't care a lick for issues. He cared for people. Yeah. He loved his people. And that meant that he was going to fight against abortion. Uh-huh. He loved his people. And that meant that he was going to work for just treatment of immigrants, mm. whether documented mm-hmm. or undocumented. Yeah. And, it, and it's cool because a lot of the issues that he was into, you know, in our like, in our political climate sound like leftist issues, mm, you know, quotation mm-hmm. marks. Um, but his bishop said he was the most loyal to the magisterium of any bishop that he had ever met. Oh my gosh. So he's just this amazing guy 
And even as bishop, he's, they called him the bishop of the barrio because he's mm-hmm. still like walking the streets. He's friends with all the lowriders. I mean, I talked to one guy who tells me a story of this dude who shows up down the avenue and he's got a gun because this other guy got his sister pregnant. So he's going to shoot this guy like that fixes anything. Yeah, I know. Uh, and the bishop talks him down, like de-escalates the situation with mm-hmm. an armed man, takes the gun away from him, sends him home, like doesn't have to involve the police because when the police would get involved, they would actually call Bishop Gallegos. Oh like my if gosh. There were, if there were turf wars, if there was like gang violence and they couldn't de-escalate things, they would call him and he would show up because he was friends with all of these guys. Yeah. And the thing that was most amazing to me, you know, as I'm traveling through California and I'm chatting with all these different people who knew him again and again, I would be like, so what, well, tell me what it was like when he died. And they mm-hmm. would just burst into tears. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Talking about their auxiliary bishop from 30 years ago. Like who mm-hmm. feels that way about their auxiliary bishop? But he was just so invested in their lives. Like I talked to this one woman and she was like, you know, I mean, I was just upset one time because I felt like. My parents loved my brother more than they loved me because, like, he had a nicer car than I did. So I went to talk to the bishop, and I was like, Bishop, I don't know what to do. Like, I just feel really unloved. And he was like, well, honey, let me talk to your dad. And, like, went and talked to her dad about her car issues. And I was just like, who is this guy? Yeah. Right? Like, his whole life was just about loving the person in front of him. Mm -hmm. So the last day of his life, it's a Sunday, he wakes up. And he goes and makes tamales with the abuelas at one of the parishes. And he goes and visits a man who's dying of AIDS, which in 1991, visiting an AIDS patient is like a statement, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He goes with the Korean Catholic community to scout out some land where they're hoping to to buy or to build a church. And then he goes to celebrate confirmations. And it's like Mm -hmm. an hour outside of Sacramento. He celebrates confirmation. It's late at night. And the priest was like, no, Excellency, you should stay. Like, just yeah. spend the night. And he's like, no, I got a whole full day tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So he goes with his driver because, you know, he does not, he does not drive he himself. Drive. He does yeah. not have the vision for yeah. that. Um, he goes with his driver, but he's got this janky old car. Because even though he's a bishop, he never thought of himself as anything other than yeah. an Augustinian priest. right? Uh-huh. Um, and his car used to break down all the time. And so they're driving back. They're praying the rosary. And something went wrong with the electrical system of his car. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, the car stalls out and Bishop's like, here, I'll get out and push. And the driver's like, you know, he's kind of a little guy. Bishop Gallegos was a big dude. The driver was like, no, 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 Bishop, I'll push. And then Bishop Gallegos is like, no, like, yeah. I'll push. You steer. It's fine. Yeah. He gets out of the car and he's hit by a passing car. Oh, oh my God. thrown like a hundred feet in the air. Just oh my God. Killed on impact. Just, yeah. And people are devastated. Everybody yeah. I talked to was like, I had to leave work. I was like choking, crying. Like I was so heartbroken. Yeah. And at his funeral, they had 300 lowriders come in oh, procession. I got chills. I just got goosebumps. Like, because he, he just saw people, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, it's, God love our bishops. They have an incredibly difficult job. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. I don't know a lot of bishops where their people's experience of them is that guy loves me. No. And everybody, everybody talking about Bishop Gallegos was like, oh, Mm -hmm. no, he loved me. Mm -hmm. I talked to one man. I said, how would your life be different if you hadn't known Bishop Gallegos? And he was like, oh, I'd be in jail or I'd be dead. Mm. You know? And And so I think he's such a witness Particularly to priests and bishops, right? Yeah. To a call to them to really enter into the lives of their people, really mm-hmm. encounter them and, and be with them. But I think to all of us to recognize that the most powerful way that we can preach the gospel is by loving the person in front of us. Amen. Right? If Amen. we really encounter people and we don't reject them because of 
certain labels or because of certain part elements of their lifestyle or whatever. Like it, we just look at them and we're like, you are wildly loved by God, which mm-hmm. means that my job is to love you wildly too. Mm. That it changes things. Yeah. It makes it possible for them to hear the love of Jesus in a way that they never will. If all we're doing is talking. Oh my goodness. And he was so recent, right? Like you said in the yeah, 90s. 1991. Oh my goodness. And how I don't know a lot of people. I only know about him because I encountered him on your site or on your page. So the yeah, amount I hadn't I hadn't heard about him until last year. Yeah. So um, do you know um, like what ended up opening the cause, just like the petition from his community or I so I think it was the diocese. Uh-huh. Um and I don't know although the postulator is an Augustinian, so I guess that might have the community might have been mm-hmm. the driving force. Um I think it was just like at the funeral, they saw the numbers that showed up and they yeah. were like, this many people shouldn't care about this guy. Yeah. Right. If this many people care about this guy, there's something going, something on, going there. on there. Something, something the Holy Spirit is doing there. Um, and he is a venerable. So yeah. step two, which, you know, is promising. We just need a miracle. So if anybody needs a miracle, ask for Alphonse Gallegos to intercede you. We can it. see about getting him beatified. <laughs> That's what- he's so cute, too. Like you see pictures of him and he just has the biggest smile. Everybody I talked to was like, oh, he was always smiling. He just radiated joy. I mean, there's something so simple about this guy who really was just able in his life to say, I'm going to be present to mm. the people who are in front of me and I'm going to, I'm going to delight in who they are. Praise God. Yeah. We, one thing we always talk about on our show is that when we do a blessed or a servant of God, we're like, you could be the one who pushes right. them over the edge, ask them, pray, pray to them, cheer for them, you know? So yeah, I love and then that. When you get to heaven, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, it's you. Thank you. Right? right? Like, oh my gosh. Happy. So I love that. I'm on his team now. We are, I'm on the team. I'm going to be pushing, asking him yes. for all the things. He's going to be tired of hearing from me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's on that note, but I have to ask you this. What are your research superpowers? Because one of my like, ups, like I don't know, niche interests is the Cristera War. And I'm always, I know there's so many martyrs and not like so many almost saints, people who we don't know about who are going to be there one day. And I feel like I have learned so many new names from your page. And I'm like, how does she, I'm like actively looking for Cristero war stories. And I feel like you always find the coolest ones. Like who is, I forgot his name, but he's the handsome father that. Oh, the one where there's that picture of him with his little girl. Yes. And she's got the curly hair. I was just looking at him And he was the yesterday. governor of Jalisco. I like, I remember his whole story, but I forget his name. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um, It's, uh, go to my Instagram and pull him up. Miguel Gomez Losa. Yes. Yeah. I had never heard of him. Yes. I mean, we can say he's handsome, right? That's Oh, my goodness. He's adorable. Yes. And and his little girl, too. Like, the fact that he's, like, so, like, put together with, like, the beard and everything. And then he's got this, like, adorable little girl with her curly hair. You're like, okay, everything about this man. Everything about this man. Yeah, Miguel Gomez Losa is so cool. I mean, like, he was arrested and jailed so many times Mm -hmm. as a protester, which is just cool for people um, who are protesting for human rights um, and protesting against injustices and recognizing Mm -hmm. that like, I mean, this is, this is a sort of a Catholic thing, right? (laughs) To get arrested for trying to demand just treatment for the unborn or for people who are abused at the hands of law enforcement or for immigrants or for people on death row, like all, all of these things, like, like a thing that, Sometimes you just get thrown in jail for chaining yourself to a nuclear warhead, and that might go in your Saints story. I mean, you just inspired me. We're going to do an episode of Saints Who've Been Arrested. That's going to be one of our 
categories for sure. I love it. Keep going, keep going. I, I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of research, Honestly, my first step is Wikipedia for a lot of things. Um, Love it. Because Wikipedia will usually give you like a decent outline um, mm-hmm. and give you good sources to go mm, to. To go to, yeah. You do sometimes have to go to Wikipedia in other languages because the English Wikipedia is not always the best when you're mm. looking at saints. Okay, that's a good hot tip. Speaking. Yeah. Um, but there's a, a number of websites also that are kind of my my go-to websites. But then it, it just gets into the weeds of Googling. And I Google mm-hmm. in a lot of different languages. So, you know, I kind of know, like, which languages are most likely mm-hmm. to bear fruit depending on where somebody's from. Yeah. You know, like, if somebody's Chinese, I'm going to start by Googling in Mandarin, right? And then mm-hmm. using Google Translate because I do not read Mandarin. Okay, I was about to say, um, how many usually, languages are we talking about here? <laughs> um, I, I read French, Spanish, and Italian. Nice. Um, so that that definitely helps because I can like double check that Google translate is helping me out. Um, sometimes I forget that I'm Google translating a language that I don't read and I'll like look over at the original and be like, well, is that what that says? And I'm like, Meg, it's Swahili. You don't read Swahili. Like it's not going to help for you to look over at the original because you literally cannot say one word. I mean like Simba, is that Swahili? I mean, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, I've just always been really good at Googling and so that's hey, it's a lot a of skill. what it is. is that is a skill. Googles. Yeah. Well, I like your, your Insta is such a gift to me. Um, and I know to so many people, but I mean, especially when I can find someone who knows about some Cristera war saints that I haven't heard about, I'm like immediately a fan, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> My favorite like go-to is um, Father Pro. He's like someone oh, yeah. that I... I will be the, like, I'm praying in that miracle. It's going to be me. I'm going to be in the Vatican when he's canonized because he is my guy. So that's that's kind of my go-to guy for sure. Um, But I love the time period. So I just want to thank you. Now I get the chance to talk to you for all. I'm dressing as a Cristero martyr for All Saints Day. I love that. I'm excited. (laughs) Salvador Huerta Gutierrez was a, um, he was a mechanic. Uh And I was at old navy and there was this like ridiculous denim pantsuit like coverall sleeve uh, long sleeve yeah on clearance for nine dollars and i was oh. like that was something a mechanic would wear and then i was like oh, Halloween. <laughs> so, you have to so i bought it i'm gonna have like a wrench and a baby doll i had like a dozen kids so i love it and then when people ask you what you're dressed as you get to evangelize Exactly. I love that. Exactly. And his brother was an opera singer. So that's always fun just to be like, I think they had two brothers who were priests and then one was an opera singer and one was a mechanic. And just to see sort of that like spread of the way that you can serve the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. like you can be an artist or you can be a blue collar worker or you can be a philosopher. Like it's just beautiful. Plus the priests do not have open causes for canonization. Oh, really? Right. The dad, because they, they weren't killed. Oh, um, so the dads were both martyred. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, it's just un- really beautiful. You know, like, I mean, we can assume that those priests are in heaven and, you know, God sure, yeah. souls, hopefully they are. Um, but just a powerful thing to see in one family that mm-hmm. we've got two priests, but they're not the ones who are going to be canonized. Right. right it's the, yeah. It's the manual laborer. It's the artist. Mm-hmm. It's the dads. Mm. That, thank you so much for the awareness that you bring to those stories. I know there are some dads listening who feel like they, you know, they don't have the most glamorous job. They're not in the holy vocation because they're not the one up there on Sundays. But truly, I mean, 
there is a saint for every vocation for someone to look up to, which is why we do this, why we have these conversations. So just want to say thank you again for the awareness that you bring to these people's lives. Well, um, thank you for reading the stories because if I if nobody were reading them, eventually I'd probably give up. Please, never, never give up. <laughs> um, I also want to ask you, you have a new book coming out. I do, hopefully this month, although I haven't heard any updates on <laughs> when that will happen, so... So I want to learn about all the things, like how you were inspired to move forward with this. I know that you've said you've read the Bible all the way through like a lot of times, right? Yeah, I'm on my 21st time through. So I'll finish my 21st time. When was your first, when was all the way through number one? Like how old were you? I started when I was 13 and I read from Genesis to Revelation and it took me like six years because it's just really hard to plug all the way through Mm -hmm. without without any carrots dangling in front of you. Mm -hmm. So then I started using um, a schedule to read through in a year. And the one that I use now, I put together probably six or eight years ago. Um, And it's really helpful because it's got every day you're reading half a chapter of a gospel and a chapter of poetry and two to four chapters of the story. So it's like Mm -hmm. 15 minutes a day. But you know, when you're like slogging through Chronicles, Mm. you're also reading Luke. And like halfway through Leviticus, it's like take a deep breath and read Philippians. You know, Mm -hmm. there's just a lot, there's a lot of carrots dangling in front of you where you're like, okay, I can get through Nehemiah because I know that after Nehemiah, I'm going to read an epistle and it's going to be okay. Yeah. So, okay. I have so many questions because in addition to being obsessed with the saints, scripture is also like, where I feel most at home. That's what I studied when I studied theology. You say you're not a journaler, right? Yeah. So where did the, why, what moved you to create the journal and attach that to the reading plan? Yeah. So, so the book is a one-year Bible journal. It's got the reading plan and then it's got um, reflections that I write every day Uh on one or several of the readings and then space to journal. And honestly, like, my whole thing is just trying to convince Catholics to read scripture. Mm, and so I've been, mm-hmm. I've been telling people, I've been sharing this Bible schedule for years. You know, I shared the one that I had gotten from somebody else online until I made this new one and then mm-hmm. the new one. Like every year I'm like, hey, everybody, read the Bible with me. And uh, so many people, they're like, oh, yeah, I did that for like two months. But then I kind of fell off the wagon and so I have to start over. And I'm like, you do not have to start over. Like, you don't have to start over. Just keep, there's no... There's no merit in reading it in a year. That's just a thing that I feel like I can convince people to commit to, right? But, and so the idea behind the journal, really, it's it's sort of two, I mean, I guess it's threefold. One is it might be really fruitful and it might help people to process things that they're journaling. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, But for me, it's really about trying to get people to keep going and to finish. Mm. And I think if you have started writing in the journal and then you get mm-hmm. distracted and you don't do it for six months when you pick it back up again you're like oh I don't have to start from the beginning because see I already read these you yeah. know like it just it feels like you're just picking up where you left off and mm-hmm. I think also some people will do it for six months and fall off the wagon for a year and then pick up the book again and be like it's not like I can give this away like I might mm. as well finish it okay um, so it's just like any any way that I can convince people to read the entirety of scripture. Um, that's what I'll do. And so that's really the purpose of it being a journal is just, these are other ways that I can try and get people to keep going. I love that. Okay. I definitely see that. And so I know you were posting the reflections on Instagram too, right? Yeah. When I, I mean, it started actually as 
just a thing that I was doing on uh-huh. Instagram. Um, cause you know, it was probably my 19th time through the Bible and I was trying to figure out how do I get Catholics to read the Bible? And I was uh-huh. like, you know, I tell people at the beginning of the year that they should do this with me. And then I don't talk about it again until yeah. December 31st. I was like, what if I just like share some of my reflections mm-hmm. throughout the course of the year? There may be people who then are reminded that they had intended to read, or maybe there'll be people who had gotten discouraged, but whatever. So I was like, I'll just do this on Instagram for the year, right. which like this was 2020. I just had, a, I mean, everybody had a ridiculous 2020, but I wrote three books in 2020. Amazing. Um, so like, that's what my ridiculous 2020 looked like. And so it started off just as these Instagram reflections in stories. And pretty shortly, I was like, these are really, these are good. These are, these are valuable. This is a thing that really resonates with people. This could be really helpful. And so I realized probably like a month in, I was like, this is probably going to become a book. Um, Mm. Because I think that, I think it's something that people need. I think just anything that can convince people to read scripture, but also, you know, just give, give insight that you don't have as a Catholic. Mm -hmm. We we're so biblically illiterate a lot Mm, of the time um, that sitting down and trying to read scripture is really overwhelming. You just feel like you don't know what's going on or you don't know how to read it or you don't know how to get anything out of it. And so to have 365 reflections, it means that some of them are going to be like this, these two chapters are really boring Mm -hmm. and really hard to read. And Mm -hmm. that's okay because I don't have to, get something out of it in order for it to be valuable. And there are other, other reflections that are like, this is deeply distressing and you should be disturbed by this. And we mm-hmm. have to wrestle with this. And there are mm-hmm. others that are like, here's the only other place that this word appears in the mm-hmm. Greek. And that's what this means. And some that are like, oh my gosh, look how good God is. And here's a beautiful thing that he said to me. And some that are very imagine and some that are very like Ignatian and some that are very Lexio. And so it's just like so many different ways of engaging with scripture yeah. because it's the fruit of 20 years mm-hmm. of my having wrestled with these texts. And so I think that, I think it'll be really helpful, especially for people for whom this is sort of their first foray into yeah. reading scripture or mm-hmm. their first foray into reading scripture intentionally beyond just the daily readings, because yeah. the daily readings are, are sort of a highlight. You know, you're not uh-huh. going to get all of the hard stuff uh-huh. if you're just doing the mass readings. And so this is sort of plunging you into that, but also kind of throwing you a, a lifeline every day to be like, okay, if, if today you got nothing out of any of these readings, here's the thing that I got, you know, maybe that helps. I love that. Why do you feel like, why is your cause the scripture? I mean, like there's so many, I mean, I'm sure we could all come for reasons why, but why do you feel like you specifically have been called to this work of getting Catholics to read the scriptures more? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think, I think scripture is just essential mm-hmm. for our relationship with Jesus, right? right and yeah. St. Jerome says ignorance of, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. Um, but yeah, like I, it's not as much my campaign to get people to go to daily mass, which, I also, which is also like essential to my life. And it's not as much my campaign. I mean, I spend a lot of time convincing people to go to confession. But I think scripture, part of it is just that I like reading. Um, and so scripture, reading scripture comes really naturally to me because mm-hmm. reading comes really naturally to me. Uh, but I think also... I just see how much fruit has been wrought in my life through reading scripture daily. I mean, I, I always tell people, I, I've read the Bible 21 times. I've read the Gospels 42 times. I still read with a pencil in my hand. Oh, yeah, because always. Because there's always something more mm-hmm. that the Lord is teaching me because scripture is 
inexhaustible. And I think that we encounter Jesus so profoundly there. Um, And I'm a huge advocate of silent prayer. I think Mm, that silent mm -hmm. prayer, daily silent prayer is utterly essential Mm -hmm. for growth in the spiritual life. Um, But that silence has to be grounded in something. Otherwise it just becomes spiritual navel gazing, right? Like Mm. I'm just sitting there thinking about myself. And Mm, mm -hmm. if we, if we have an intentional relationship with the Lord in scripture, it gives us something uh, to, to focus on something to meditate on. It just gives us a, a a familiarity with him, right? Because what we're looking for as Christians is a relationship with the Lord. And in order to have a relationship with somebody, you have to know about them, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can't know somebody if you don't know about them. And so to be utterly ignorant, of the love letter that the Lord has written us in the scriptures just makes it really hard to approach him in intimacy. And obviously like people have different learning styles and people have um, different intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. And I would never in a thousand years say, if you can't read the Bible, you can't know Jesus. Right. Um, But I think for those of us who can read the Bible, right. Who are literate, who have access to the scriptures, who have access to these resources, it's just such an invitation Mm -hmm. um, to enter into a depth of relationship that, that he invites us to in the scriptures and God can make himself known to us however he wants to. But if we are choosing just not to bother with the one book that he wrote, Mm. he's, I think he's generally not going to just be like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to give you infused knowledge, right? Like, yes. We need to make the effort too. Like he can, and he yeah. does sometimes, but but we need to make the effort too. Wow. Amen, girl. I and mean, it's just so beautiful. Like it's just, it's so beautiful and hard and ugly and weird, right? Like there's a lot so going many. on there, yeah. but there are so many passages in scripture where I'm just like, oh, Jesus, like, who are you? Why, why would you love me so much that you would, Mm. that you would even just use this turn of phrase, you Mm -hmm. know, like it's just stunning. It's just stunning. Well, if you weren't reading scripture every day before you will now, because I mean, there was never a better argument for why you should be reading scripture every day than what you just told us. Let's do it. Oh, so I am a journaler, like probably too much, like to the point, like I just love buying them at this point. I'm more of a collector actually than an actual journalist. So, I know those are, those are two different hobbies. Yeah. Journaling and buying journals are two different hobbies. Yeah. I buy the journals. Um, but I am really excited for this one for sure. Um, I'm gonna pre-order for my birthday. It's gonna be my birthday gift to myself. Yeah. Um, tell us about your other books too. You have a children's book, correct? I do. Yeah. So I've got two other books on the saints. Um, Saints Around the World, they happen to be right next to me, so I'll hold up and show you. Saints Around the World and Pray for Us. Um, So Saints Around the World is an international saint storybook for children. Mm -hmm. So it tells 100 stories of saints from 70 different countries. Uh, And we were super intentional. The artwork is beautiful. My illustrator is just brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, She does such a lovely job. We were super intentional about representation just like at every level because we just wanted kids to, to see themselves in the lives of the saints. And it's so... It's so delightful because, you know, I go around the country and I read this book to kids and to see kids raise their hands and ask for a certain kind of saint with this, like, doubt in their voice, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, a kid will be like, do you have a saint with a limb difference? And I'm like, honey, I have four saints with limb differences. Oh, my gosh. You know? Mm -hmm. Or, like, a little boy who was like, do you you have a saint who didn't have a dad? And I'm like, yes, I do have a saint who didn't have a dad. Of course, yeah. You know, reading about St. Martin de Porres, and I I read in the story St. Martin de Porres' saints where our parents were never married. And this little boy goes, my parents were never married. And he was like so excited. Uh, And it just, 
it's just so beautiful to see these kids and the way that they light um, and so loved. So that's Saints Around the World. And the other one is Pray for Us, 75 Saints Who Sinned, Suffered, and Struggled on Their Way to Holiness. It's all full of stories that you've never heard um, are, are the random ones that, that people don't talk about, um, but really highlighting just the humanity and the brokenness and the struggle and the the hobbies and the passions and all of these things that we feel like God can't sanctify. And mm-hmm. to see this is what it looks like to be a saint when you play the French horn, right? <laughs> this is what it looks like to be a saint when you're divorced. This is what it looks like to be a saint when you really love candy, you know, mm-hmm. like just all of, all of these different things, all these different levels um, to recognize the fact that God delights in us exactly as we are and that he's always calling us to holiness, whatever the circumstances. Yes, exactly. And to like highlight like their loves and passions and also like their failures. I feel like the more that we can do to humanize these saints, you know, to, I mean, obviously they have that title because they are very deserving of it and because of who they are and what they do for us in heaven. But almost if we can look past the title and just like who they are as a person, it's so much easier to see yourself there too one day. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that those, those little things, like that's what I find so important. And I think that's what often gets whitewashed out of the mm-hmm. same stories. Oh, for sure. And that I had an editor who was, you know, like trying to cut words because I always have too much to say. Yeah. And she was like, well, does it really matter that he played this instrument? And I was like, well, no, unless you play that instrument, in which case it's the most important fact that you've ever read about a saint, because now you're going to like identify with him in yeah. a way that you wouldn't have otherwise. And so just to have those little things, I think, is so compelling. And I've just seen the way that people people latch on to saints for these little, little reasons. Um, you know, like this saint was voted best dressed in her class. And and then from that point, like every teenage girl I meet is like, okay, like tell yeah. me more about her. And I'm like, exactly. great, let's do it, right? Yes. Like, there's much more to her than that. But if that's the reason that you're paying attention, the Lord is going to work with that. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we've got that, and you're in Pennsylvania now. Mm-hmm. Where are you going from here? What's next? So I'm in Virginia next week. I've got my sister's seven kids for the week. She's leaving oh the country. Um, Amazing. <laughs> and so we are going to have a blast. We're calling it Shrimp and Mushroom Week because their mom doesn't like shrimp and mushrooms. Oh. And so I'm cooking shrimp and or mushrooms every day okay. <laughs> while she's gone. And everyone's very excited about Shrimp and Mushroom Week. Um, <laughs> And then I'm going to be in Boston, be in Indiana for a while, I think Ohio for a minute, and Pennsylvania, and then I'm going to England in December, God willing. Oh my goodness, that is my dream trip. Really? I love just like, I mean, some, I love history, so just okay. like some, the history out of there, and then I was a huge nerd in high, middle school and high school, so just all the <laughs> literature things, I'm so jealous, where are you going? The first time I went, I was like, I am going to the place where all of my favorite authors lived. I like wasn't even, I didn't even care about the saints. Like I liked the English Reformation martyrs, but I was just like, oh my gosh, C.S. Lewis lived here and Jane Austen lived here and Ian Nesbitt lived here. And then I, like I landed and I was like, and I'm on Greenwich Mean Time. And I was like so excited to be at the standard of time. And I was like, oh Meg, you are... You are something else. There's so much for someone to nerd yeah. out about in England. I feel I've never right. been. I'm assuming one day I will go. But where are you gonna? Any you're going for the second time? 
Oh, I think I've been four or five times. Oh my gosh. Okay. Where, yeah, what I are you? a lot of work over there. What are you excited um, about seeing this time? I, I mean, I don't really go to see things. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm, I'm there working. And so people sometimes are like, oh my gosh, so fancy. And I'm like, um, well, I was on 34 trains in the last month and I saw two sites and I mostly ate granola bars that were in my bag and I spent many hours dragging my suitcase on cobblestones. But yes, fancy. Sometimes people take me lovely places and it's really fun. But it's like the point is not to go and see things, mm-hmm. right? The point is um, to go and tell people about Jesus. And there is there's a real advantage that you have when you have an American accent. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. same way that when Brits come over oh, here, yeah. people are like, oh my gosh, do you know the queen? You must be a genius. You probably went to Oxford. Yeah. Um, and whereas when I go over there, people are like, oh my gosh, you are from Hollywood. You sound like all the movies. And so they <laughs> listen to me in a uh-huh. way that they don't listen to each other. And there is there is real, like enormous anti-Christian bias um, uh-huh. in the UK. They're like maybe yeah. 30 years ahead of us in terms of secularization. Yeah. And so, especially when you're speaking to a hostile audience, like mm-hmm. every school that I ever go into, mm-hmm. uh, they really, really don't want to hear you talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. But they give me a little bit of a pass because of my accent. Yeah. And I can capitalize on that, right? If, yeah. you, if you give me just a little bit of a break, I can get in there. Uh, but Love if I that. came in with their accent, they would shut down immediately. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, so I will be. I mean, I'm going to. I'm going to Oxford, which I really love Oxford, and I'm going to be in London, and London's great. And then I'm kind of going to be all over. I'll be in Salisbury and probably Devon, and up in Liverpool and Leeds, and um, a bunch of like random small towns that nobody would ever have heard of. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is fun. so cool. We're going to be praying for every leg of all your trips, but especially Thank my you. heart and mind will be with you for that one. Yeah, it's going to be utterly exhausting. Um, so I really, I really appreciate your prayers. I put out something on Instagram was like, all right, anybody want me to come to England? And I had like 25 invitations immediately. And I'm going to be there for like 28 days. So it's going to be like a, a lot. really lot. And the even marathon. just like, like pro- planning it is so stressful to me. Like every time I go to my holy hour, I'm like, oh, I have to send those emails. Like I just have to figure out what, how I'm going to get to in front of the most people. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a lot. So I really am grateful for your prayers. You got them. You got them always, but especially for England. Cause that is where my heart is. I was watching Downton Abbey like this morning. (laughs) It's always on (laughs) the background. Um, well Meg, it has been such a blessing to talk to you. Like I'm, we were already friends, but now since we've spoken, we're like like real real friends. Yeah, where do you um, live? I'll come hang out. Dallas, come. You've been, Ooh, I think okay. you've been to, um, I live in Coppell, so I think you've been to St. Anne's before, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, right? Yeah, I've spoken at St. Anne's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually, St. Anne's is usually where I go to daily mass when I'm in Dallas. Yeah. So we're right right there down the street. So you already know. Oh, perfect. You're welcome. Okay, well, next time you, you see, I might forget, but next time you see that I'm in Dallas, you shoot me a message and we will grab lunch. All right. Awesome. If you like babies and chihuahuas, we have that too. So I do like babies. And that is the end of that <laughs> sentence. Mm-hmm. Look, we don't really like him either. He's my baby's dog, but <laughs> we keep him around. Um, awesome. Well, I mean... Besides just the, a huge thank you, and this has been a huge blessing, I really don't have anything else except we usually end all of our shows um, just as a way to kind of celebrate what God is doing and then to pray for you. We always end with like a blessing and burden or like rose and thorn um, just to like wrap things up. So you can, I don't know if that's putting on the spot at all, but that's if you have Here, anything. You go first and then I'll be ready. Um. Okay. <laughs> 
usually my burdens on the show are always like either our dog or my baby, um, <laughs> some kind of mischief that they're into. So our rescue chihuahua, Bruce, got into something. <laughs> he ate something and we've been dealing with the fallout of that from both ends. Oh, so no. yeah, I had Dallas Chihuahua Rescue like dialed into my phone because I was like, I can't do this anymore. But he's no. that was just like in the heat of the heat of the cleanup moments. But so he's he's getting a little bit better. But that this week we have been dealing with that situation. Um uh, probably my blessing is that my birthday is on Saturday. Teresa Avila's feast day. Thank you. So nice. I just used my birthday week as an excuse to just like binge eat basically. So I'm just eating so many of my favorite snacks this week. Yes, you should. Yeah. That like I have a cake every thing. day because I'm like, it's my birthday week. I'm going to have it's, yeah. a dress leches I mean, I and nothing. Month, honestly, I could do the birthday month too. But the birthday week is when I have like a different cake every night of the, just to lead up to the birthday party. Yeah, we definitely are friends. I yes. just want to make sure yeah. that that's been established. <laughs> and I might come for my birthday week next year. Yes. Oh like, my hey, gosh. I love birthdays. I love birthdays. Like I am the weirdo that's like going all out for like my friends and like my babies. Like, you know, he's one and a half, but I'm already planning his second birthday because I'm so excited. So That's awesome. Yeah. So that's my, my blessing is my own birthday, which is so so prideful, no, but more I the cake it. and the snacks and the food really. Yes. So, yeah. yes. All right. That's let's see. So I would say my burden is just so many emails. Mm. Um, and so, so much planning and so many decisions to make and so many things to coordinate and so many people who I need to get back to me. And it's just not my favorite element of my life that there mm. is so much planning all the time. So mm-hmm. I think especially for England, cause I really need to buckle down and figure that out. But like it's all of the pieces have to fall into place and there's so much travel and I won't have a car. And so mm-hmm. all of that. Um, and then honestly, my big blessing today is that I got to sleep in. Yay. And I just really, really love sleeping a lot and mm. I do not do it as often as I should. So Today, I, I still felt like death when I woke up, but I felt like death having slept for 10 hours. So, so that better, but a better feeling like death than having slept for six hours, which is, you know, what I normally do to myself. So, yeah, praise the Lord for sleeping in. Yeah, praise the Lord. And we'll definitely be praying for all the things to plan for your trip and just all the emails Thank you have you. to get to. If you want to pray for Bruce's stomach, you can, but it's not really top of the list. I will pray. I will pray for Bruce's stomach. (laughs) It's mostly me having to clean Bruce Bruce Wayne because he has like bat ears. So that's kind of, yeah, mostly it's keeping the baby out of the issues surrounding Bruce's stomach. So more the prayers for me and my patients. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we want to thank God for all of that. We want to thank him for this conversation and we'll keep those things in our prayers. And we're just so happy that you were able to join us today. Oh, my co-host Lena is also a big fan of you and your work and your Instagram. And um, she wasn't able to be with us today, but she is wonderful and amazing. And you are too. So will all three of us go out to lunch when you're in town? Yes. Um, Lena, I'm sorry I missed her, but I'm looking forward to lunch. Yes. Um, And then I'll go ahead your book. Give us the title one more time. The, the new one? Yes, the new one. It's called A Year in the Word Catholic Bible Journal. Yes. I'm going to link it in the show notes and everything because it's on pre-sale Sweet. right now and everything, right? Yeah. All right. Yes. If you want to pick that we'll up. up in your mailbox, who knows when. Yes. It looks amazing <laughs> just from what you've posted and what I've seen. I'm so excited for it. So if you guys want to pick that up, 
All you have to do is uh, check our show notes and there will be a link. Thank you so much, Meg. This was such a blessing. Thank you. Have a great one. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of